I am excited because we are starting into a new series, and I, I really feel like a new season for Highland. And uh, really, uh, we do kind of have a natural flow and a natural seasons in the church that we kind of ebb and flow in. And uh, usually in, in the spring and summer, we're getting ready for doing things that are more evangelistic. Uh, and then in the uh, fall, there's kind of a, a, a coming in and getting ready uh, for regular activities with school and things like that, but, but kind of a training time. And, and in the winter, uh, in January, in the new year, I always kind of feel like it's more of a time for discipleship and uh, training uh, of our own souls and our own hearts. And so this month, uh, we're taking time to uh, delve into the Word of God about prayer. And not just, um, just to have some information in our heads, but for us to really begin practicing prayer in a new way. So we have a little different setup today because of that, and I think uh, that maybe was already explained to you. But uh, this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to practice a little bit of bigger and better. But I want to share with you a few things before we get to that so you know where we're going with this, and, and it will help you in our practicing of bigger and better. So I just want to let you know that uh, I really enjoyed my time uh, in November. Uh, it was a great time for me to reflect, uh, having that sabbatical time and time off. And uh, after that time of reflecting, uh, I realized that this past year, my prayer life uh, had, had really become off track. Uh, it was really gone off track. My prayer life was really stunted, uh, unexciting, uh, boringly repetitious, uh, and ineffective. That, that's about where my prayer life was. And there, there are several different reasons for that, but I, I've come to realize that one of the reasons is, is, is a real simple and easy mistake to make that sometimes we unknowingly slip into. And it's, and it's a mistake for many Christ followers, and it, and it throws off our whole prayer life and our whole perspective and approach to prayer. And so I, w- I want to share with you today what that roadblock was for me in hopes that uh, if some of you have run into that roadblock, it might, might change things for you and uh, change your whole perspective on prayer and ultimately help all of us as a church to offer prayers up to God, prayers that can change everything. And uh, in that, uh, again, kind of this focus of, of discipleship, I've, I've been asking our leaders, and I, now I want to ask all of you in this church, if you would take a pause from maybe what you're normally doing in your devotional time or your reading time, and, and to join with us in reading the same scriptures together. And, uh, and we put, uh, Nate helped us put together these booklets, uh, but these uh, scriptures, each day's reading is on prayer, and, and this week, again, uh, bigger and better uh, is what the scriptures focus on. But if you would take some time, uh, grab one of those from the back before you leave today, or uh, you can download it online at our website. But I just want you to know that uh, we're doing this together. And again, I think there's some unity and strengthening when we do things together like this. And, uh, and so I just want to challenge you, uh, if you, if you would, to, to pause on that. And, and, and if you haven't uh, begun a regular reading uh, of God's Word, I haven't been able to be consistent with that, this is a great time to join in with the whole church uh, and, and to begin trying to form that practice of reading God's Word on a regular basis. So pick up one of these uh, booklets. It'll be a great help to you. Now, one of the best ways, I think, to get back on track with prayer is to look at the prayers of, of the believers that are recorded in, in the Bible, in God's Word. 
And so if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to Acts 4.23. Acts 4.23. And uh, that's in the New Testament, right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then there's Acts. And we're going to look at eight verses that are, are one of the recorded prayers of the first church. Uh, John and Peter, they've just been uh, arrested for healing a man uh, in Jesus' name. And they were questioned and threatened uh, never to speak in Jesus' name again. And, of course, they say, well, we've got to obey God, not man. And, and Peter and John are released, and they immediately go to the rest of the believers. And then they pray together this prayer found in uh, Acts 4.23. It starts like this. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Wow. That was some amazing prayer to shake a place. But what I want you to notice here is there's, there's only about eight sentences in this prayer. I mean, it's simple. It's real simple. But what's interesting, that only two sentences out of the eight actually contain the request for God's help in this threatening situation that's going on. So my question is, is how come they just didn't go straight to the point? I mean, what's in those previous six sentences of that prayer? What, what was going on here? Well, those six sentences are all about God. They're all about God. Six sentences all about how big and great God is and just two sentences requesting his help. Listen, listen to, uh, really, they're, they're about God. I know that you may have read it and didn't think about it, but, but, but listen, God, you, you are sovereign Lord. Sovereign means he's, he is in control of everything. God, you made everything in the heavens, on the earth, and the sea. You can speak to your people by the Holy Spirit, just like you did to David. People can plot, even powerful kings and rulers can try to plot and stand against you, but nothing can thwart your plans. Nothing. We saw this with Herod and Pilate, but you're so powerful that even those who oppose you are just doing what you wanted them to do anyway. Isn't that wild? Everything comes to pass like you want it to. And, and then there's the shift and almost, it's almost like an after, afterthought. Oh, oh yeah, and by the way, Lord, under these current threats, enable us to speak your word with boldness and, and stretch out your hand to, to do wonders in the name of Jesus. It's almost an afterthought. But did you see what they did in their prayer? They didn't start with their problem. 
They didn't start with their problem. They started with how big God is. You know, it, it, it took them a little bit to talk about his bigness. I mean, because God is so big. And as they describe the Creator, Sovereign Lord, whom is so powerful that no one can thwart his plans, all of a sudden, it put their problem in perspective. See, the size of God made their problem quite small. And it gave them the faith to ask exactly for what was needed. And, and here, this is where I had gotten off track in my prayers, in my prayer life. This is where uh, maybe some of you can identify with me. I had stopped coming to God and praising Him for who He was in all His greatness. I had stopped doing that. I'd, I rushed into prayer with my problems, which seemed so big at the time, that they stunted my faith and they stunted my prayers. But I want you to know now is that beginning with praise to God in my prayers, I want to know now, it's not just a courtesy to God. Oh, I'm just being polite to God. I'm going to tell Him how great He is. Like he, like he needs to be reminded. God isn't some old man who forgets who he is. God knows exactly who, is, who he is. He knows how big he is. He knows how great he is. You know why we do that? You know why we, 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 we praise him? It's because we need the reminder. We need a reminder. See, praising God is not just a courtesy to him. It is how God reminds me that he is big enough to handle any problem. And when I praise God for who He is in all His greatness, I realize that He is bigger. It changes my whole perspective, giving me faith as I pray. And in turn, it changes my whole prayer into prayer that changes things. God is bigger. God is what? God is bigger. That's right. But He is not just bigger. He is also better. Jesus taught his first followers what his father was like. And he revealed the father was better than our humanized view of him. Uh, listen to Jesus tell about the father in relation to our approach in prayer. He says this in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. <clears throat> so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus speaks of an earthly father who gives what is good to his children. And even though the earthly father is evil, he knows how to do this. Jesus then says, you know what? God is better than you earthly fathers. God is better than you earthly fathers. How much more will he be ready to give good gifts to those who ask of him? You see, I don't know uh, if you've thought about this before, but, you know, there's, there's a stage uh, that we kind of go through as we mature, and, 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 and it happens maybe when you're, right around when you're 18 
to, to 22, 24 years old. And you, you go through this stage where you're meeting people uh, that are way outside of, of, of maybe uh, your family sphere and the way you were raised and maybe the, the church you grew up in. And, and you meet these people uh, that are different from you. And you start reflecting back on your family. And you realize that your family helped make you who you are, exactly who you are, uh, whether that was for better or for worse. And, and so uh, during that time in my life, um, my sister, who's about two years younger than me, uh, articulated something that, that I also had sensed but couldn't put into words. And my sister had described, you know, our, our, our parents were divorced when we were, I was five, she was three, and so we, we grew up with our earthly dad living uh, far away in another state. And my sister described how she loved our dad and, and knew that he loved us too, uh, but that he was just far away. And so we saw him during special events uh, and, and some time during the summer. But during just the ordinary days of life, he wasn't there. He wasn't a part of our lives. And my sister described how she had then unknowingly put a humanized view upon God that he was a nice, loving father, but far away, only there for special occasions, not the ordinary days of life. You know, when she articulated that, I realized that I had had the same view. But you know what? What does Jesus say of that humanizing of the Heavenly Father? He says, no way. No way is your Heavenly Father like that. You have an earthly father who is good. Well, you know what? Your heavenly father is better. Specifically, the Lord said to us, my sister and I, look, I am not far away. I am near. I am with you always. You know, Jesus says God is better. Better than even the best father and child relationship you could ever dream of. Better than the best father and child relationship maybe that you experienced in this life. God the Father is better. He's better. Jesus says this again in a conversation whose context is also about prayer. Uh, It's in Luke 18. And if uh, you want to find it in your Bibles, that's cool. Uh, If not, it'll show up on the screens. But Luke 18, 1 through 6, uh, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? You know what? You know what he's saying there in that parable about God? He's, he's, he's contrasting God the Father with the wicked judge. And he's saying, you know what? 
This is why you shouldn't give up on prayer. Because God is a better judge than this unjust judge. God, you know, if if this wicked judge knows how to give justice without even caring about people or caring about God, how much more will God the Father, who is just and he cares about you, how much more will he be ready to answer his chosen ones calling to him? You know, we really, we really need to ignore some of these little uh, subtitles that are in our Bibles, that are, you know, that are little headings over the paragraphs. You know, in my Bible it says, the parable of the persistent widow. It's not about a persistent widow. It's about a better judge. I mean, you look at the verses there, and how many verses are about God, the better judge? How many verses are about a widow? It's about God. He is a better judge. God, our Father, is bigger, and He is better. All right? So God is what? He is and. That's right. Try it again. God is and. Very good. All right. You know, Jesus has described and revealed to us what the Father is really like. Jesus has also let us know that He and the Father are inviting us to something. They're inviting us to something. Listen to these words of Jesus, which were all spoken in one conversation the night before he was crucified. Get this, it's all in one conversation he's having with his, his disciples. And I want you to listen for what might be the common word in all these things that Jesus says. All right? Here we go. John 14, 13, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 14, 14, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. John 15, 7, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Uh, John 15, 16, I appointed you so that you might do, go and bear fruit for the last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. John 16, 23, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. John 16, 24, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. John 16, 26, in that day you will ask in my name. <clears throat> there is a word in there that Jesus repeats. What is that word? Right, ask. Do you kind of get the idea that Jesus and the Father are inviting us to do something? And what is that something? He, they want us to ask of them something. Ask and ask knowing that God is bigger and that He is better. You know, one of the prayers from the New Testament ends like this in Ephesians 3.20. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is work within us. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Think about that. Think about, let's first think about, what does immeasurable mean? I mean, immeasurable means you can't quantify it. You, it's, you, you can't put a measurement on something. So, you know, we, we can't do that with, with God, can we? You can't say God can do a ton of stuff. You can't say that because, well, we know a ton is 2,000 pounds. And God can do immeasurably more than 2,000 pounds of stuff. And, and you can't say God can love with love the size of the ocean and all the water on the earth. Because, you know, we, we can measure how much water there is on earth, sort of. 
326 million trillion gallons of water on the earth. And God can do immeasurably more than that. And he can love immeasurably more than that. You can't say God can make that happen as fast as lightning because we know that lightning moves at 3,700 miles per second or 130,000 miles per hour. And we know that God can do and move things immeasurably more than that. You know, I've just mentioned a few things that we can measure, and I haven't touched on the other part of that. God can do more, immeasurably more than we ask, but he can do more than we imagine. Now, I know some of you have some pretty good imaginations. You know, uh, could you maybe imagine, can can you imagine 1.8 million different types of animal life? Can you imagine that? God did. He imagined, he imagined that. But in fact, he imagined more than that because, you see, uh, that's just the number that we humans have been able to catalog and, and describe is 1.8 million different types of animal life. Scientists are still carrying on the work of Adam today, trying to name and describe 15,000 new species each year. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Can your imagination keep up with that? Maybe. Maybe. Well, I just want you to know that God can do more than you imagine. And God can do immeasurably more because he is immeasurably great. And I just want to ask, where has our imagination gone when it comes to prayer? When it comes to asking of God? It seems we're we're pretty limited. I mean, it seems like we tap out on one end of our short little spectrum of thought at, well, I think I'll ask him for a couple of million dollars. That's about as imaginative as, as we can get sometimes. And, and then we go to the other end of our short spectrum of thought, and, and we go, well, oh, maybe, maybe God doesn't really care about the little details in my life, like the next meal I'm going to eat. And, and we, 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 either we shortchange him, we shortchange him either way, isn't it? That's what we're doing. You know what? I think we need to use our imaginations to remember how big God is. And maybe as we think of the expansiveness of God, maybe our prayers would also expand. And maybe if we remembered how much better God is than our humanized view of Him, then maybe our prayers would also become better. You know, when we know God is big, our faith can get bigger. When we know God is better, our hope can grow. And we need faith and hope when we approach God the Father in prayer. So I want to challenge you to change your approach in prayer. Change your prayer so that you can pray prayers that can change everything. You know, this week, I want to challenge you specifically. This, is, this really is a specific and practical thing. I want to challenge you to a little game that I've started this past week and I've tried to remind myself to do. And, and it's red light, green light prayer. Red light, green light prayer. Every time that you're driving and you come up to a red light and you've got to stop. I mean, usually we're kind of like, red light, can't believe it, I'm going to be late, blah, 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 blah. And instead, I want you, when you come up to a red light, I want you to stop and you're going to praise God. You're going to praise him for how big he is and how better he is. And, and as you do that, then the light turns green. Then when the light turns green, you have permission to ask something of him. 
See, you're going to praise him. You're going to tell him how great he is. But you're not going to ask for anything as long as that light is red. And then once it's green, you can go. And some of you, I know that when you get into I know that when I got into this, I was like, I was still on a roll. So I just still wanted to tell him how great he was. And so I ended up going to the next light, the next light. And so I didn't really get out of my, it wasn't until I got out of my car that I actually decided I was going to ask him for something and, and bring a request before him. And so I, th- I think you could get into this, this little red light, green light game, okay? And so that's what I want to challenge you to do, to begin a change in your approach to prayer. And, and I also... I think if you practice this, I think your perspective on a mighty God will help you have more faith and more hope in your prayers. And I want to challenge you also to pick up the, the, the daily readings on prayer and find a time each day where you'll read from the Bible things that will help you expand your perspective on prayer. Now, right now, we're going to take a moment and we're going to use our imaginations in prayer and we're going to ask we're not going to ask God of anything. In the next few moments, we're not going to ask God of anything. The band, you can come on up here and start getting ready. But we're not going to ask God of anything. Instead, we're just going to praise Him. All right? So, uh, uh, now some of you, uh, you don't have to have paper and a pen to do this. Some of you at the tables, there's uh, paper and pens there in the center. You can grab one of those. And uh, uh, Brian, he's going to uh, throw something up on the screen for me. Uh, that We're going to kind of divide the room into four little sections here. All right? And so you guys right here in the back section, I want you to be thinking about character and qualities of God, all right? So C and Q, character and qualities. And, and I'm going to give you some examples of that on the next screen, but you just remember C and Q, character and qualities. You're going to be thinking about those things about God, all right? They're in the back corner, all right? And then over in this back corner, I want you guys to be thinking about his kingdom, how great his kingdom is, all right? And that's, that's, a little, that's a little trickier one. But write K, and there'll be some examples on the screen coming up in just a moment. You've got to remember K so you look at the right thing on the screen, on the next screen, okay? All right, so kingdom. And then up here in this front, front quadrant right here, I want you guys to think about the great things that God has done in the past. Great things he has done in the past. Like, okay, there'll be some examples coming of that, but just remember, GT, great things. All right, And then over here in this front section right here, I want you guys to think about the works of his creation. This is, this is a real easy one. This, I mean, you just, you just think of all the beautiful things that God has made. And, 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 but you remember W-O-C, works of creation, okay? All right, next screen. We flip it, and, 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 and we can show them some examples here, all right? All right, we're going to think about these things. And, and if you need to write down a couple of things, you write them down, all right? And see if you can come up with some things that are not on the screen. Can you do that? All right. Think, 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 think. Got a few, maybe. All right. Okay, here we go. We're going we're gonna to start praising God for how big he is and how, how much better he is. All right. And these are some of the things that we're going to use to praise him for how big and better he is. All right. We're going to practice bigger and better. All right. And this is this is the, we're kind of practicing what you're going to practice, what you're going to do when you're at a red light. OK. All right. So this is trying to warm you up to that. OK. So over here, I want my my GT group. Great things he has done. Name a few things. Out loud. He raised Joseph up into a great position. 
after being in prison. That is a great thing that God did. He gave us the rainbow as a promise. That is a great thing that He has done. He forgave us. Well, that's a great thing, isn't it? I'm certainly glad that He did that great thing. Yeah. Past healings and miracles. Yeah, uh, he, he raised the widow's son. Raised him up from the dead. Raised Lazarus from the dead. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. Yeah. All right, uh, back here. Some of his qualities and his characteristics. What? He is everlasting. Yeah. He is love, yeah. He is the eternal king. Ever present, that's right. Emmanuel, God with us. All right, going back to the kingdom. Tell, tell me something great or big or better about the kingdom. It's perfect. So much better than the one we're living in now, isn't it? Yeah. It's a just kingdom. Yeah, there's some unjust things that we see on this earth. And oh, it grieves us. It breaks our heart. But not in His kingdom. Justice. Limitless love. Yeah, and, and one of the ways He's going to express that in His kingdom is not just justice, but mercy. Boy, I'm thankful for that too. Because if He was totally just with me, I wouldn't be in His kingdom. Who we thank the Lord. Just kingdom. Oh, beautiful. It's, a, it's going to be a beautiful kingdom. Kingdom of light. We have to struggle with the kingdom of darkness, but he's got the kingdom of light. All right. And then up here, works of his creation. Mm, thank you, Lord. Mm, yeah. Wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. We got a lot of babbling ones, babbling brooks in North Carolina, don't we? Yeah. Um, Greg just, you know, he's an elder. He just wanted to cover it all. The universe. Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty expansive. I mean, did he have to make it that big? I think he was just kind of showing off when he did that. I mean, we can't even find the ends of it. Wow. All right. So that's the beginning. That's practice of praising God of who he is. That he's big, he's bigger, and he's better. All right? And these are some of the things that I want you to practice this week. Red light, green light. All right? Heavenly Father, you are good. You are great. You are awesome. We praise you. And thank you for the great works that you've done in the past. And the works of your creation. The hand, your handiwork. We praise you for your kingdom. And we praise you for who you are. You are bigger and better. Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's continue our worship as Nate leads us on.